Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we're covering 1979's The Brood. They come from the unknown, and they're here now, hiding, waiting to strike. You can feel their presence all around you. Never before have you come this close to the edge of terror. Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Then look! The brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, the brood will destroy anyone who gets in their way. David Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egar. The Brood, they're waiting for you. I actually should have said <laughs> David, 1979, David Cronenberg's The Brood. Yeah, this because, is definitely the a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because, you know, just like John Carpenter, you'd like have to have his name like right there. Like John Carpenter's Halloween. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so... Gotta throw it. Yes, it's The Brood. This movie is 44 years old. And it is the first time that I actually have watched it. Because David Cronenberg's films give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I am not a fan of body horror. Because that is like the most horrific thing I could experience. I am... I, like, I remember one time, not to just, like, go off the total, you know, intro to our podcast. I got, like, a like a little, what do you get, like, in your fingers? You know? Not like a mole. Like, um, I forgot what it's called. But whatever. It was, something grew out of my finger. It was disgusting. And I literally felt like I was in a David Cronenberg movie. I was just, like, horrified. I was like, <laughs> burn it! It's cut off the finger! Because <laughs> it disgusted me so much. Was it a wart? A wart. There you go. That's the word. A wart. Yeah. The, totally. I don't even want to say the word. I just, I, I literally deleted 
that word from my vocabulary. So there are, you know, several different people in this film whom probably none of you even know who these people are, depending on your age and life currently. Yeah. I um, didn't know who these people were, so... Well, a lot of these people have gone on to do a lot of things. Like, Oliver Reed is pretty famous. He has done a ton of things. Most famously, the horror fans will know him from two movies. But besides this, will be The Devils, which he plays the priest that goes to the convent and things go very badly. Um, and then he's another one called Venom that I have not seen, but I believe is kind of a snakes on the plane situation. There's a venomous snake loose in a house they're trying to get out of. And you have Samantha Egger, who has been also, she's been in a ton of things. She's been in uh, movies all throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And Art Hendel plays the other main character in this. He plays uh, Samantha Egger's husband. And he's been in a lot of things. He's a character actor that's been in, if there was a TV show in the 80s and 90s, he was in it. He's in Murder, She Wrote, Walker, Texas Ranger. He's one of those guys that's in one or two episodes of everything, and he's still acting to this day. He was in a show as recently as 2022. He was in Christmas at Wolf Creek. Uh, he's been in the Holly Hobby TV series, which I didn't even realize they had made that until I saw that on there. I'm like, wow, they brought that back from the 80s? Wow. But yeah, so there's, a, there's people you'll recognize in it, but you may not. They're not all household names. Of course, written and directed by Cronenberg. And this was the first movie he did with Howard Shore as the music, too, which I think Howard Shore has done the music for all of his except for Dead Zone, maybe? Yeah, Dead Zone is the only one he didn't do, which is weird because that's another famous Cronenberg one. This uh, film is one of the horror movies that was picked up for restoration by the Criterion Collection. That's something that doesn't happen for every single horror film. Um, yeah. Although I think most of Cronenberg's may be in there now. I know The Brood is in there. I, th I know Videodrome's in there. Uh, maybe The Fly. I'm not sure. At least a couple of his are in there. Yeah, well, definitely The Brood. I don't know about The Fly, but... This movie does deal with, obviously... Uh, it's psychological body horror. Yeah. Um, but... And we don't really go really in-depth to, like... We're not that podcast where we're gonna intellectually break down a film you know more power to you uh but this is one that you just for me i can't get away from the moment the movie opens i'm like furiously like writing my notes like what the fuck kind of therapy is this this is creepy like I, uh, I love the fact that Oliver Reed, when he does the therapy in this, he's the therapist that's helping him. And it's the psychoplasmics is the therapy that he does. And he has to put on what looks like a karate outfit. It's yeah, like and karate. he's like booty naked underneath, I think, because you just see his chest hairs. Yeah, I, it's like he puts on a karate gi in order to sit down and do this therapy with him just in case he has to fight him, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, he's sitting on the stage with a guy when it starts off doing his therapy, and it's that creepy role-playing therapy in front of a whole crowd where you're playing he's playing the daddy and the guy has daddy issues and he's yelling at him yeah and it's... then as it goes on you see the guy just like spontaneously develop like sores all over his body you're like oh that's not good yeah which is that's the whole thing of the psychoplasmics uh, yeah is that you can manifest things on your body or on other people's bodies to help you deal with the trauma of what you've gone through and i love how the guy in here that art hendel's playing uh frank 
He's just saying in the audience, bored as fuck watching this. He's like, ugh, do I really have to sit through this horse shit just to get to see my kid? Like, you're watching boils pop out on someone's body spontaneously, and this is boring to you? You're like, ugh, come on, man. I got places to go. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, th- but that scene... Which I felt like took maybe 45 minutes. It was a really long fucking scene. That scene literally just tells you everything you need to know about this film. You, for me at least, I knew what I was getting into to some degree. Where this movie really is about, you know, childhood uh, childhood trauma and how... I don't want to say it's inherited, but that can be passed down from parent to child. You know, that child grows up and passes it to their child and how it's something just like genetics that that can be passed down and has been passed down. And in this, you know, with the wife, um, who's Samantha Eggers character, she, you know, she's dealing with the trauma of her mom being abusive and just dealing with that whole like relationship with her mom and how she has not been able to work through that and how it's affecting the relationship with her daughter. Yeah. And, you know, on top of other little things that she has, because now she's divorced, she's the ex-wife of um, Art Hindle. So... But in her mind, she still hasn't been able to work through that divorce. She still is living a fantasy of that I'm going to get better and I'm going to get my family back. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot to, like, unpackage. But how and why Cronenberg was like, and I know the whole thing was like he was dealing with his own divorce at the time, right? How he, his mind was like, yeah, I'm dealing with my divorce, but I'm just going to write this, like, screenplay about, like, how a mom is, like, going through some shit and is, like, going through experimental therapy and uh, shit is going to unravel really badly. And yeah, I, it's going to go real bad for everybody. In a weird fucking way. Like, in a, in a way that you would never think that it's going to go. Cronenberg is like, that's his normal life. It's like, ah, that's normal for me. This is This is what I'm doing. Uh, but yes, the f- plot is, you know, a man and his mentally ill wife. Uh, she's kind of like away. She's off at, like, doing this experimental therapy at a uh, therapy camp, which, you know, was a thing in the 70s. You just go off into the mountains and yell about your feelings until you're better. Yeah, the fresh air is going to do you good. You know, maybe some, some so that was the thing exercise. The, was that in the howling, too? They also went off to the retreat? The, I believe, yeah, they also went off to the retreat. Yeah, they off in the mountains to have a nice retreat, and it ends up broken up with werewolves. Yeah. The moral of the story is, when you go off in a retreat in the mountains, bad fucking things happen. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Ticks. Ticks, yep. Um, which we will cover at a later time. Yeah. Um... So, and then all of a sudden, a, a series of brutal murders just fucking uh, start occurring, just randomly, like, uh, out of nowhere. Not randomly, uh, to people she knows. Okay, well, I'm <laughs> randomly meaning, like, they just came out of, like, nowhere. Like, why, though? I mean, we find out why, in a sense. So, this, like I said before, is my first time watching it. I be since I've become a mom... 
I have been highly sensitive to films that deal with any children, um, children going through things, you know, especially in the horror genre. I'm not about it. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. It makes me feel mad, sad. I mean, this is one of those horror movies for me where, like, I was going through all the fucking motions. I was just horrified. I was, I was angry, you know, angry that you would, like, do this to, like, your kid. Yeah. You know, and, like, it just saddened me, but... Well, I think, you know, this movie's 44 years old now, so if we, we, we can talk openly about it. If you haven't seen it by now, go out and see it. But spoilers from this point on. And um, you figure out pretty early on that every time she has a strong emotion about someone, these small children or small people show up at the house and brutally murder whoever this is. You're like, oh, that's not good. She's obviously got something going on here. And they show up and they all look very creepy because... They're all just wearing the little kids' jumpers. Like, it's Canada, so it's cold as fuck up there. So everybody's wearing the, like, snow pants, jacket, hat, and, the, you know, they're walking around. So they kind of blend in if you don't look at the face. No, the when, face was a giveaway. Yeah, when you see the face, like, if you see them from behind, you're just like, oh, it's a little kid walking down the street. When you see them in the face, you're like, oh, no, they're a hundred-year-old little kid with a weird fucking claws, and no, I don't like it. The makeup is terrible. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's really, really bad. Um, I don't know why it's so bad. I mean, obviously, it's the late 70s, but... I, I think mean, this, was one of, this was one of Cronenberg's first movies, so I think this was one before they started giving him a lot of money to do things, you know? I know. It's just my thing is, like, did an alien come out in the 70s? Like, well, in the late yeah, 70s? But, but, I mean, that movie was fucking amazing. And this is just basic-ass face makeup. But that's just me being really nitpicky. But it looks like the it literally looks like the makeup from that um, Twilight Zone episode, the Nightmare at uh, Twenty Thousand Feet. It looks like that makeup. Uh, it reminds me of the makeup. It looks really freaking weird, like very Cro-Magnon. Um, yeah, like a little bit. Yeah, kind of unreal because they make a point later when actually one of the kids uh, gets killed trying to um, uh, attack Art Hendel, that they start examining it, and they're like, well, these, you know, this is a very strangely developed person. They, you know, they don't have a belly button. They don't, they don't have any sexual organs. They're, you know, they, all these things they talk about are weird about them. So, yeah, they're kind of a weirdly developed person, and which makes sense when you see later on exactly how they come into the world. But... Uh, by the way, one of the, the creatures in here mostly are played by, at least the main one is played by an actor named Felix Silva, who was famous for playing uh, Cousin It in the Addams Family series in the 60s. He also played on Buck Rogers. He played uh, the robot Tweaky. He was also the creature in that movie we covered previously, The Manitou. He played the small creature in that as well. He played a lot of different small creatures throughout the years on things. And I actually met him at Spooky Empire the one year he was there. Uh, with uh, John Aston that played Gomez. Yeah, because you can't have what these quote-unquote children are doing. You couldn't have a child actor do these things because it's too horrific. I mean, yeah. they're killing people. He was playing the main... Every time there was one committing acts of violence, he was playing it. Now, later when there's a whole group of them doing things, that's 
multiple kids playing that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That, like, it seemed like he was kind of the go-to guy for things. They were like, hey, we need someone to uh, play a creepy uh, monster. Are you available? <laughs> I will say that if you are someone that needs further explanation <coughs> of how said beings came to be, like, further than what they kind of show you... You're gonna be very disappointed. Um, so if you're that person that I like, I need to know how it happened. Like how? Like you're you're gonna come away like not feeling fulfilled. You're gonna be mad um, because they do to some degree, but they don't. I I'm trying to really really process Samantha Edgar who plays Nola in the film, the mom Nola. Uh, Samantha Edgar, she just looks unhinged. Like, and she looks more and more unhinged. At first, she looks like super rich lady that's having therapy. Yeah. And then from the middle to the end of the film, like, her face starts changing. Like, she, her facial expressions become more exaggerated and, like, her hair, I feel like, got fucking bigger. Like, yeah. she looks crazy and she just plays this. Like, but... She, like, grew up in the theater, like, the actress. Like, she was a Shakespearean, like, actress. So she knows all about, like, emotion and, like, how to, like, throw that shit on. You know, like, flipping the switch on and doing all that. So she's, like, an amazing actress. Um, Yeah, she really sells this. Oh, she fucking sure does. I mean, the point where she... She's, like, smiling and, like, cordial, cordial one second... And the doctor keeps, like, pushing fucking her buttons because he's trying to, like, the whole thing is, like, he's trying to get her to, like, work through these emotions and, like, turn those emotions into something else, like, physically to, like, kind of have, like, a release. But she goes from, like, being nice and when he pushes those buttons, it's, like, cycle time. Yep. (laughs) And you're like, oh, shit. And also, he's naked the whole time. That's also very weird. I mean, we're saying he's naked because he's wearing the freaking thing that you said he's wearing. And you're seeing his chest hair. I don't want to see the chest hair of my therapist. Like, I know it's the (laughs) 70s and, like, men just had their chest hair on all the time. But that is not cool, dude. Like, I'm picturing, like, and I never show him stand up. Like, you never see from the waist down in this outfit. (laughs) So you don't know. Like, I'm figuring he's wearing black socks. Because there's also, like, a thing, like, men wearing, like, black socks back in the day where, like, I don't know. It's just fucking strange. I I wasn't about it. But the poor kid in this movie, like, did she, did Candace, like, is her name in, in the film, did she have to go to therapy after this? Because even though she was, an, she's an actress, right? She's also in the dead zone from Cronenberg a few years later, too. Oh, so. then she's definitely scarred. She, I can't, I can't even watch the trailer to that. It freaks me out so fucking bad. Just like seeing an image, I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Like, switch, switch the channel. I don't want to watch that shit. Um, <laughs> Next month we're covering the dead zone. No, we're fucking not. Um, yeah, you threw me off. D- does she have to go to therapy? Because I know I would have to go to therapy. At the end of the day, she's still a kid. So even though she knows this is pretend. That's a lot of visuals to, like, take in. It's a lot. 
did she in the end have to go to the real psychoplasmics uh, therapy center after this? Well, early on in the movie, they, uh, you know, Samantha Egger's mom does in the in the movie mentions, oh yeah, you know, here's a picture of her in the hospital, and the daughter says, oh, why was she in the hospital a lot? There's a lot of pictures of her in the hospital. She says, yeah, she used to get covered in these ugly bumps for no reason. She used to just show up, and then something they would go away and. Because you also find out the mom was being abusive to her. And so when it all comes down to it, you know. You and they were never able to, the doctors were never able to figure out why yeah. these, why she had these boils on her. So you figure out later when they show, like, later that Dr. Raglan, he knows that these things are coming from her. Because he's he says, like, Oh, yeah, like, early on in the movie, the, the guy, Frank, he finds out that, like, when he takes the daughter home, he sees, like, she's got, you know, scratches on her and bruises, and he assumes the mom did it. You find out it's the little brood creatures that beat up the daughter because whatever the mom is feeling for someone, these things feel it, like, tenfold, and they go out there. So they beat the daughter up because the mom was mad at her. They killed her mom because she was mad. They killed her dad because she was mad at him. And... The doctor knows that, like, when she gets upset, these boils that grow on her just grow into a big fucking sack with a little tiny one of these brood creatures in it that grow up pretty fucking quick, apparently. Because how long has she been at this retreat? A couple of months? I don't know, but there was at least, like... A dozen of them. Yeah, there was a lot of fucking kids. I was not expecting there to be so many of them. And that's not even including the, like, two that already, like, died. Yeah, so they're like, there's a lot of them up there. So he's been doing a lot of experiments to make her angry just so he can see these things pop off of her. Cause so obviously he's one of those guys that's like the typical mad scientist in the movie that's like, oh, Dr. Raglan, what have you been doing up here at your psychoplasmic camp? Well, I've been proving the existence of it beyond a shadow of a doubt. We've bred a little army of brood children over here that respond to this woman's emotions. How can that go wrong, possibly? Yeah, I don't know what his end game was. I don't know if he thought that if she was able to work through all this rage that she had, because that's what that's what was man- manifesting these beings, that eventually she would just get it out of her system and then she would be fine. And then, like, I mean, if you really think about it, one would be like, okay, well, she you just said that she had these, like, wells when she was a kid why wasn't she popping off like things then but that's because she hadn't she had not have her, her reproductive like she wasn't a mom yet like she hadn't had a child yeah, she hadn't gone through her period yet maybe that she was, was just it. a kid so, or but maybe then she, she never got, got mad when she was a teenager the inconsistency of like where because did it stop then for a certain amount of time did she just live her life because this woman's already we're gonna assume Let's just play devil's advocate. Let's say she was no older than 35. Yeah. So she spent all of her childhood, okay, cool, because she's a kid, so she doesn't have, you know, her period. Then she got her period. She was, you know, whatever age. Then she's her teenager, all of her 20s. Like, she spent that whole time without popping these things off. So what was it? Because she obviously got mad beforehand, and the daughter's like 10 years old. So it's, you know, there's a lot where, like I said, if you start really thinking about it on like going, there's a little bit of like, okay, well. Maybe it was because the divorce is what triggered it. Maybe the divorce did trigger it again. Maybe it was dormant for that time. But 
like I said before, it's the cycle of her rage towards. Well, what I'm thinking too is her was parents. Into the, the movie, the very end after. Well, their... spoiler alert! But don't get to that yet, because I I really wanted to go to like the cycle of the thing. <laughs> okay, well, I'll wait for that. Well, no, uh, uh, yes, at the end of the movie, but her, we don't know where that's going to lead, but we'll, we'll get to that. You know, her mom was verbally abusive. If not physically. She was also physically abusive and verbally abusive because they did state that she was an alcoholic, the mom. The dad, he was absent, like absentee. He like, he was very codependent on the mom and like he didn't ever protect the daughter. They go through that in therapy. They go over that. So he didn't protect that of like shame and denial. So he never protected her from the mom. So that just went on and on and on for God knows how long. Um, but that's the first two people that die in the movie. You go after the mom. Free goes after the mom first because then he's talking to her about the mom. And then she doesn't know that the mom has passed away. Because when the husband goes to talk to Raglan, he's like, no. Um, oh, the father actually goes to talk to Raglan. Her father goes to talk to Raglan and says, you know, you we got to let her know that her mom died. She has to go to the funeral. And he's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Which what gets the dad killed to some degree because he wants to break her out of the psychoplasmics place and drags the husband into it and he ends up going back to like the house where the mom lived yeah. you know and that's where he gets he gets killed but let me tell you those things are real freaky and i just want to like add on for for someone that needed more visuals so the outfits that these things are wearing like you said it's up there it's cold they're wearing like the ski outfits but they're like uber 70s like late, early 80s outfits where they're oh, yeah. like blue with like the rainbow bright like the rainbow like <laughs> v in the front i mean they couldn't be more like the nostalgia of those outfits i was just like omg like i have had many an outfit like that with that freaking rainbow like and those bright <laughs> colors uh the part that creeps me the f that really upset me the most upsetting part of the film for me was when the teacher gets killed in front of all the kids that was too much for me i felt like i felt like i was like Cronenberg, we're not gonna do this can we do like a like a uh when they show like and it goes, the screen goes black, and then the next thing, like, they're reeling her out into the fucking uh, ambulance. Can we do that? Like, a cutaway? Because I can't deal with this. And now he was like, ah, you're going to watch this shit, and it's going to be horrifying for you. Yeah, because the teacher, poor teacher didn't even realize something was going on for a minute because everybody's coming into the classroom wearing their big heavy coats and ski pants and all this. And then she's like, oh, who, oh, God, who are you two? And they just start beating her with those, like, mallets they would have in the school that would, like, you would, like, play the music with. Like yeah. the, like the, what did it The xylophone. The xylophone and whatever. Which, those aren't exactly the toughest things in the world. So, you know, these kids have got to have, like, super strength, too. Yeah. It, and all the and they kids. They got crazy monster strength. Yeah, the kids are all watching this murder occur. And only one kid has the common sense to go run out of the classroom screaming, they're killing her, they're killing her! Because these are like... I said that she was 10, but I'm really thinking about it. No, she wasn't 10. I think she was probably like 6 or 7. These kids yeah. were young. I felt like to it be was fair, like kindergarten. This, yeah, and this was before like you know school shootings were a thing. So kids weren't trained what to do when something like that happened. Not even that, but imagine you being a kid, okay? 
your teacher, who you probably love, is being attacked by, like, deformed kids, like, kids you've never even seen before. Like, you know these are not your classmates. Like, small beings like you, like, I would be pissing myself. Like, I wouldn't be able to, like, go anywhere. I would be fucking still with fear. Like, I'm a kid. Like, I, I like this is some crazy shit I'm fucking going through. And the therapy, again, that those, all those poor children would have to go through. It was really... That would that that scene was really difficult to watch for me, and and of course I cried like a fucking baby. I was crying because I was so upset. Um, I, I just I it was it was pretty horrific. Uh, but leading back to what you're saying about the ending, yeah, at the end, uh, you know, Frank finally, you know, he realizes like the mom is causing this and the, something, some crazy shits going on up there. So he's gonna go up there and get the daughter back because the two kids when they. Come in and murder the teacher. They murdered the teacher because she was unfortunate enough to take care of the kid while he went to deal with these. Was it the first or second murder? It was the. Uh, it was the dad. The dad. It was the second murder. When he went to go see about the dad and ended up being at the police station all night, she, uh, the teacher, ended up taking care of the kid because he'd invited her over for dinner that night. And then when that, that happened, he had to be gone. Well, she made the mistake of answering the phone when the wife called. And of course, the wife is immediately like, oh, Oh, you're the teacher now, and you're fucking my husband. That's just great. Which, how did the wife get privileges to use the phone? We haven't seen her use the phone before in this whole time. Like, she snuck away because she felt something in the nether regions. Like, oh, something's not right. Her fucking spidey senses were off. Yep. Because they said she wasn't allowed to use the phone or have contact with anyone. So she snuck away and did that. So that cost the teacher her life. Well, you know, the, the other kid said, like, no, they took her. They left with her. So he's assuming at this point that the kids are going back up there to the, to the thing, and he gets there and he meets you know Doctor Raglan is finally like yeah look she may have gone over the edge on this now that I realize she's definitely caused the murder of three different people and abducted your daughter she's up there, so you go talk to her tell her you want to get back together with her be real nice to her and I'm gonna sneak out with your kid while that's going on, well he goes in there to talk to her and that's where we see like. She's in there. She's wearing her robe, and she's naked under it, and she's got the you know thing growing out of her side, where yeah, she's you know, developing the baby. And she rips the kid out and is licking it clean in front of him. Like and a of course, fucking cat. Yeah, and of course he's looking at this, going like, "Oh fuck, no, no, hell, no, no." But he's maintaining some kind of. He has to maintain like calm because the doctor told him you can't, you can't like freak out. F- you can't freak out, and you can't. Like, you can't push her buttons because not only would it kill... These things are going to kill me. They're going to kill your daughter. Yeah. So you need to stay calm. And I'm like, I... Like, I don't know how he fucking stayed calm. He was doing a pretty good job. But even then, she was like, oh, no. I see it in your eyes. You don't really want to get back together. You're You're disgusted. Yeah, of course he is. He's a human being. Who wouldn't be disgusted by what you just did, woman? But, yeah. So then that's when she starts freaking out. And then all the kids go crazy. And, you know, they end up, you know, murdering Dr. Raglan, which, you know, he kind of had that coming. Uh, but eventually, she yells the line like, I'll kill her before I let you have her. I'll kill her before I let you have her. And it's like, oh, well, at least you're not completely crazy. So he ends up, you know, just strangling his wife there, which lucky for him, strangling the wife causes all the kids to die because they're all trying to break through the room up there to murder the daughter. He takes her and is leaving, and as they're leaving, you see the daughter is developing little bumps on her arms. 
And now what I'm wondering is, the daughter's obviously not angry about all this. She's terrified. So I'm wondering if it was the same thing with the mom, with Samantha Egger, when she was younger. She developed the bumps not because she was angry, but because she was terrified. And as she got older, you know, the, when she went to the hospital, she wasn't afraid anymore. She was with other people. They weren't hurting her. They weren't, the, you know, the mom wasn't beating her anymore. Maybe they went away. But as, you know, when she got older and started having the rage, the bumps came back and they came back as the creatures this time. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that she had it beforehand. I think that, yeah, she was obviously very traumatized. Um, well, we know she had it beforehand. I just don't think they, they just didn't develop into the creatures before. The, the daughter had it beforehand? The mom. She no, had no, it. the mom. Yeah, the mom had it. I'm saying the daughter. No, like I'm Candace. just saying, no, they didn't have it. she didn't have it before. Candace didn't have it So... It was that extreme fear of these little monsters coming in that triggered her. I don't... I think it's the anger of the whole situation. I, like, I would be angry at my mom if she freaking had some random-ass children that were trying to fucking kill me. And then... You know, now I don't even have my mom anymore. I would be, and well, my does she mom even know let about these, and my mom let these children. Even if she did it, well, let's. The thing is, we don't know where the mom was in the altercation that occurred with the brood when they were beating on Candace. Was she in the room with them? No, she was downstairs. Remember, because they were up. You had to go out the stairs on the outside of the house to get to it. No, but I'm saying in the beginning of the movie, they didn't show that at all. All you know is that she got beat up by the by by the brood. Mm, yeah. So we don't know if the mom was in the room at that time. So if she if she was having the visit with her mom, because that was the whole thing, she visited the mom, and whatever conversation happened something pissed the mom off and she got mad and then the brood were coming to like protect the mom so we don't know if i'm assuming since the mom is there with her and whatever's going on she the brood came in and they started beating on candace and the mom just sat there and fucking watched yeah so hello i mean we're gonna assume that that happened because we know that the brood did it and that the mom, she was there to visit the mom. So those are the factual things that we do know. Obviously, the rest is filling the blank. But for me, it's like the the thing that makes the most sense. Yeah, I would be pissed off because you're my mom is my mom is just sitting there while I'm getting beat the fuck up. Not only that, these things killed my grandma. Like she saw the grandma die. Like. Yeah. We don't know if she had mad love for the grandma. Like, I'm assuming like that she, she did. did. Seems like they got along pretty you well. You know? I don't know. I, I think it might be a combination of things. But still, it's that thing of how now that's something that she passed on to the kid. And now yeah. the kid has to freaking deal with this shit. And how is she going to handle that? You know? Ugh, Cronenberg. Why? That happens in The Fly, too. Yeah. Also pass on it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had to reference the fly too. Um, love that movie. Yeah, although he didn't actually do that one. I know. Well, I know that because it's a. I'm not going to say it's a terrible movie, but a lot of people do not like that film. I'm not saying it's the best movie ever. It's, it's entertaining. I don't think Cronenberg's ever done a sequel to anything. No, he don't need to do a sequel. He's fine with whatever he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need a sequel to his movie. 
Like, we don't need, well, maybe Crimes of the Future, that kind of, I don't want to say it's a sequel, but he kind of did a movie, that movie, and then he kind of did it again. Like, he did a short of it later in, like, the 80s or whatever, and then later on made it into, like, full feature. But something that he revisited, we'll say. Technically, he could revisit this because it could be a sequel, but I don't want to see it. Now, the whole, like, birthing of these things, no, bro, no, that's gross. And what did the doctor, what was Raglan going to do with these things? That's what I want to know because he was just keeping them in the attic. He went as far as to go to, like, the 70s Ikea, whatever that was. To buy bunk beds for these fuckers. It, there, there was multiple. It was a camp in there. Yeah. They had multiple bunk beds. They don't eat. Obviously, they like they don't have navels. They're colorblind. They didn't have any teeth. No, they. Well, yes, yeah, no, they didn't have teeth. That's yes, right. He said they had like sharp gums, though. Freaks. Yeah, they were little monsters for sure. Oh my goodness! I just, I just can't with that. I can't. It's just really, really. It's the, the thing is like don't repress your anger and also and also seek treatment and mental illness in women, you know, and anyone. That's something that needs to be addressed and people need help through that. Because you know. And also David Cronenberg, were you okay after your divorce? No. And what <laughs> like did he have a kid with this woman? Like was he saying something about what like the representation of like a bad mom? Like because she, at the end of the day, she was a bad mom. That line where she's like, I'm going to kill Candace. Like, she didn't give three Fs about her. She was just going to kill her daughter yeah, just wonder, out of like, spite. What does Cronenberg's ex think about this movie? She, uh, she, well, they live in California. Well, they live in, oh, no, maybe they live in Canada. I don't know where they live at the time. But I'm going to say cha-ching, 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 because she obviously got paid. <laughs> she got his profits. So she thinks nothing as she's riding off to the bank. Buying coach purses and whatnot. <laughs> Whatever they were buying in the seventies. <laughs> oh my goodness! I. All right, it's, so it's a lot. There's yeah. a lot going this on. This movie's intense, but at the same time, this is also one of those seventies movies where it has that thing. Like, there's a few things that happen in it, but for, there's long stretches where it's just kind of slow, and you're like, "Oh, this is nice," and then it just out of nowhere, the gruesome murder happens. So it's one of those two. It's it's not especially a long movie either, but it feels like it packs a lot into it because everything is so, you know, this is one of those ones where all the dialogue is so heavy and you really get like, it gets you get creeped out by it. So it feels like it's a little longer than it is, but it's it's a pretty quick watch. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, three and a half knives because I like this movie. I saw it when I was young. And it freaked me out. Oh, no, I was very young when I saw it. I was maybe like 14 when I saw it. And I was like, oh, no. When she whipped that robe open and started, you know, tearing open the thing with her teeth and licking the baby, it was like one of the freakiest things I'd ever seen at that point. I was just like, oh, no, I don't like this at all. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, just thinking about, I know I obviously mentioned like the mental illness of it all and like that but also at the same time like how he views women and like how women are used in film by like the mad scientists as guinea pigs and then they're like cast aside cast aside and or seen to be like the bad 
horrendous character, even though it's the man that, like, <laughs> did his mad scientist shit to, like, get that active. So, there's a lot. I mean, the film could really be broken down, obviously. That's where the film scholars have... Uh, discussed and analyzed this film. And obviously there's more people out there that can do this kind of stuff, manifesting things on their body, because they mentioned that the one guy, you know, he's got the sores that pop up on him, and he goes to talk to a guy who has, like, a uh, cancer on his throat that he says was uh, put there by Raglan because he questioned him and because he argued with him, and he thinks that Raglan uh, or someone there manifested that cancer on him. They don't really get into that as to who did it. Maybe it was the guy who can pop the boils out on himself at will. Maybe he was able to pop out cancer on this guy. It's the guy that always wears the towel around his neck. Yeah. That's like, has that horrible like tumor on his neck. And you're like, oh, God. I'm going to tell you this. If I knew that this is what was happening at this psychoplasmics place, I'm going to be like, yeah, 1-800-call-another-therapist. I'm not trying to go to this, like, wacko who's doing weird fucking things. Because I'm not trying to have shit pop out of my body. Yeah. Like, I'm not a fucking gremlin. Don't, don't, go, don't get me wet. Like, I'm not a mag- magwai. Mogwai. I can't even fucking say the thing right now because I'm just so, like, horrified by the whole thought of it. Just <laughs> things just popping out. Ugh. It, 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 what's wild about the film... I feel like there's obviously points where there's, you know, murders occurring. There's, but I'm not going to say they're not gruesome. They happen. They're pretty within the line. They're not insane murders. If it wasn't for the scene at the end with the baby, this could be a PG-13 movie. Yeah, that that scene is what takes it. And I feel like that's the scene in every, like, oh, the 100 scariest scenes and whatever. That scene is because that scene, like... She just, it, it. She looks like the mom from Carrie, like at the end, like Margaret White. Like she yeah. looks, she looks like her, like dressed in like the fucking ethereal, like maternal, like white, like I'm innocent, and just lifts that thing up, and just shows that like sack. Oh, it, it's disgusting. That's where all the money went for the fucking special effects. It went yeah. into that nasty ass sack, and like that that baby looked mad real coming out of that sack. Yeah, it like intense. It looked like you know an undeveloped fetus. It was not. It it was, and then she, and then you told me that that was a whole thing that she improvised by licking that thing. Yeah, fuck no, dude. <laughs> fuck no. That scene alone is what makes the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Like, that lands it on the list, like you said, of scariest movie moments. That's always the one you see. Um, I give the film also three and a half knives. Yeah. It sticks with you. Once you see it, it's hard to forget it. It does. I probably could go more and like analyze it a bit further, but I can't get in the mind of fucking David Cronenberg, okay? <laughs> Only his son could yeah. barely like I like no I can't get in there that's not for me to go poking around to see what the heck he was fucking thinking yeah you don't want to go poking around in David Cronenberg's mind I don't even you know what's crazy I bet you David Cronenberg's dreams is like he's fucking like 
floating down a river that's made out of fucking chocolate. There's fucking unicorns and rainbows and shit. It's like the most normal, like well, fun seen, fucking dream ever. Well, you've seen the thing where he's like with his grandkid at the birthday party and he's wearing like the party hat and he's eating like a piece of vanilla, like cotton candy cake. And he's just looking as happy as he can be just sitting there with the granddaughter eating cake. And you're like, this is the same guy who made the brood, the fly and everything else. And he just looks like the typical happy grandpa no, just bro. hanging out with a thing. And you're like, one day this kid is going to watch those movies and go, oh, grandpa did that? That's crazy. I can't imagine grandpa ever doing that. I'm going to tell you right now, out of everything that I have seen from Cronenberg, that image that you just described that I did that I have seen is the scariest image of all. That is just horrifying. Well, you know, he's a plays a regular <laughs> a recurring character on Star Trek Discovery now too, which the first time they said, "Oh, we need you to talk to the uh, guy from the uh, special investigations unit." And David Cronenberg came out. I was like, "Oh god, this is going to go poorly for them." No, he's showing up. He's showing up in a lot of different things. Yeah. He's showing up on stuff. I'm like, mm, I yeah, don't he know." He enjoys acting apparently and just doesn't get a chance to do it much, but you know, good for him that he's now that he's a little older, he's kind of, you know, he's not trying to crank out a movie every year or two that, you know, now he does these things when he wants to. He wants to show up on Star Trek. Obviously, he must have liked Star Trek or he wouldn't have taken the part. So it's one of those things of like, you know, you get to live out some of your fantasies. Hey, I get to be on Star Trek. Why not? Good for him. Good for you. Yay. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us in another episode of Gem Scare, the horror podcast. Stay tuned to the horror And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.